Hi there, I'm Jazzy Cook and I'm here with SciDance, a podcast to open and explore the world of dance science. Today on SciDance, I'm here with Charlotte Downing. Charlotte is a doctoral student at the Swedish School of Sport and Health Science. She began her PhD education in 2018 and aims to finish by 2023. Alongside her research, she also leads applied psychology workshops for dancers in professional training. Prior to this, Charlotte completed a BA in dance at the University of Lincoln. She then studied the Master's Dance Science course at the University of Bedfordshire in 2015. Alongside that, she's also done a lot of work as a community dance practitioner. Her main research areas are early specialisation, with a focus on aesthetic sports and dance. She tends to stay within motivation research, particularly self-determination theory, but she also touches on other research areas like perfectionism. I'm really excited to be talking to Charlotte today about her work on early specialisation. I learned a lot and I hope that you will too. Hi Charlotte, how are you today? Good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, really good, thank you. Thank you so much for your time. I'm really excited for this one. Um, So if we just start with a little bit about yourself, how you got into this field and where your interest in early specialisation comes from. Sure. So at the moment, I am a doctoral student at the Swedish School of Sports and Health Science and living here in sunny Stockholm, or sunny today at least. Um, And before that, I I did an undergraduate in dance at the University of Lincoln. And I worked for many years as a dance practitioner in the wider kind of schools and community, mostly focused on creative and contemporary dance styles. Um, I then decided to kind of continue my education and took the MSc Dance Science course at the University of Bedfordshire. And that's really where my interest in dance talent development began. So my specific interest in early specialization stems from personal experience. So I started relatively late in dance, around age 12. Um, Some people might think that's really late, (laughs) but I would consider myself a textbook example of a late specializer or an early sampler, but we'll get into definitions a bit later. Um, But I tried lots of other sports and activities before making the decision to kind of pursue dance for myself. Um, So in my research, I really strongly feel that there's no right or wrong way to kind of build your pathway in the dance sector, whether you want to be a teacher or a performer or any of the other roles that are possible. Um, But really I challenged any kind of harmful training practices that may exist within the dance sector, whilst also suggesting alternative or kind of healthier options for teachers to take. Yeah, so what you said about definitions there, what do we mean when we talk about early specialisation? What comes under that term? You would think this is an easy question, but it really isn't. Um, That's because the definition comes from sport. Um, So the definition there is that early specialisation is intensive year-round training in a single sport before age 12. Um, But there isn't really a consensus really people don't agree on that definition in sport, let alone in dance. But when we apply it to dance, it becomes extra problematic because we don't know whether we're talking about dance as one activity or about one genre of dance. Because it's very different to be a dancer that does ballet contemporary jazz compared to being a kind of specialist ballet dancer. I'm not sure how many specialists exist now. I think it's quite common to be multiple genre or have training in different types of dance. Um, But it does cause a problem for the definition. Um, Where I've settled is calling dance one activity. And that's mainly because we say that an athlete specializes in football and they don't necessarily specialize as a goalkeeper. So I've tried to align it as closely as I can to the sports definition. 
Um, but generally, the idea is that specialization is a narrow focus. Um, I'm sure lots of dancers will say that dance is really diverse and there's lots of variety. So there's definitely uh, more work to be done on defining early specialization in dance. On top of that, I've complicated it even more um, in a recent paper with myself and my colleagues where we said that early specialization is a continuum. And what I mean by that is it's not something that a dancer has or hasn't done or is or isn't doing. Um, it's more like degrees of. So you could be a really extreme early specializer or kind of more, a more moderate early specializer. So for example, specializing in dance age six feels more extreme than say 11 years old, but the definition currently just says anything before 12 is early. So we feel like there's some more kind of mm, detail in the definition that needs to be discussed. But hopefully that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So whether they're six or 11 or anywhere in between, what sort of factors tend to drive early specialization? It's a really interesting question, and I'm not sure that we know definitely what the main driving force is. It's likely to be a lot of different factors, possibly in combination, and of course different for each dancer individually. Um, I've kind of separated it into kind of three or four main areas. I think one of those would be the training traditions within dance, and I'm specifically thinking here about more Western dance styles. So we do tend to select and have talent identification at quite a young age. And there is this expectation that you peak quite early and retire quite early. So we're kind of preparing our dancers to reach a high level at a young age. So it kind of makes sense that the dance industries and schools are preparing their dancers from a young age to fill that criteria of being high level at a young age. Um, but another aspect of that could be the dance teachers themselves. Um, they obviously are the ones providing opportunities for early specialization. So although a elite school may audition at say age 12, the teachers are obviously preparing their, children, their, their dancers to be ready for those auditions. So they are providing training opportunities, private dance lessons, for example, um, as this kind of route into early specialization. And this is possibly something to do with the fact that dance teachers are often kind of judged on the success of their students. So a good dance teacher has successful students. And in order to be considered good as a dance teacher, you need um, to have your younger students making it into maybe elite schools or elite training um, situations. So they're kind of trying to nurture and push their young children to be successful as a good reflection of their teaching. Um, there's also a slightly more controversial argument here that the more time that students spend in the studio, it is more income for the teachers and the schools. Um, it is obviously very sensitive to say that teachers wouldn't put the students first. And I hope that in most situations, it is that the children's needs come first. But this kind of monetary um, benefit of having um, children in the studios for long hours is definitely something to consider in that kind of driving force behind early specialization. Um, another factor that I think a lot of people think about when they think of early specialization is parents. We hear this term about dance mums and pushy parents. Um, it's similar to dance teachers in terms of being a good parent means that you have a successful child. Um, so if your child is labeled as talented, parents are obviously gonna be very proud and they're going to want to support that talent as much as they can. Um, but 
we also think that babies and children love music. That doesn't necessarily mean that your child is born to dance. Um, so you do kind of, parents may push and want the best for their child if they show interest in dance, but there is a difference between the, the parent deciding that the child is a good dancer and the child deciding for themselves that they want to dance. Um, so there's a little bit of research coming out on parents. There's a little bit in sport. Um, so it, it's very interesting if there's more literature out there if you're interested. Um, and kind of my take on this as well, which I haven't really seen in literature, is that dancers themselves might be able to drive early specialization. So I'm thinking kind of anecdotally here of a child coming home from their first or yeah, they haven't been dancing very long and they just beg their parents, please, 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 can I do tap dancing as well as ballet? Um, so effectively, they're asking to do more training or they're asking, can I go to this training camp? I really want this opportunity. So they, by asking and seeking out those opportunities, could potentially drive themselves into early specialization. Um, it could be coming from a place of intrinsic motivation. They just love dancing. Um, it could be that they want to spend more time with their friends. It could be they want to be on stage. Um, but I, I do think there's something in dancers wanting more opportunities to dance. So there's lots of different factors and it will be different for everyone. Yeah, definitely. So something you touched on there is that talent selection tends to be early in dance, which possibly leads us quite well into our next point, which is why might early specialisation be prevalent in dance as opposed to in other sports? Yeah, it is certainly interesting and can be to do with traditions, but I will kind of um, before we get into this question, say that we think it's prevalent in dance, but we don't really know it for sure. Um, we hear these stories of, oh, for dancing you have to start young, but there hasn't been any kind of wide scale quantitative questionnaires type study to find out how many people are specialising early. Um, I would definitely call for any more researchers to be conducting such research to find out how prevalent it is. Um, because I think it's needed so that we can have some more confidence in these ideas about, yes, it's prevalent in dance. Um, but I would say that we can kind of theorise and say, yes, dancers do seem to specialise early. And yes, it's possibly to do with the long-standing traditions of early selection, particularly in um, ballet contemporary styles. I do question whether um, late specialisation is more common in things like hip hop or breaking. Um, this is completely speculation at the moment, but I have this kind of, with my own kind of information from my dance upbringing, I found it easier for me to select into creative dance styles um, in terms of creative movement and contemporary than it, the world of ballet felt quite closed off to me. So that was my personal experience, but I wonder whether some styles of dance are more open to later starters, for example. So you say it is happening, say it is prevalent in dance, if we assume that. Um, what are the risks of it? Like, what should people be aware of when their child or their student is early specialising in dance? Yeah, and I think this is really strongly conveyed by lots of um, research groups and lots of professionals that early specialisation is generally warned against in the majority of sports, and it is sports literature. Um, but there is this kind of blip that says, unless you are in an early sport, like gymnastics, where dance might fit. But I still feel like there are lots of risks of early specialization, especially in dance, where it may be more prevalent. Um, I focus in my research on the psychological risks of early specialization, but there is quite a wealth of research in sport, 
on the risks of injury in relation to early specialization. So I can't really comment too much on that, but there are some good kind of position statements and um, organizations that are quite, um, they share this information quite widely. Um, so from a psychological perspective, the most widely discussed risk would be lower enjoyment and dropout as a result of early specialization. Now this is kind of grounded in the idea that training for skills development isn't inherently fun. Now, when I think back to classical ballet training or even other styles of dance, we do really high repetitions um, over and over again until you master a skill. Now, that can be quite frustrating, especially for young children. Um, and it may not be that fun. Performing on stage might be fun, but the actual 400 tonjus might not be the most exciting thing to do in a class. Um, but that's not the case for everyone. Some people may really thrive on that type of environment and may really enjoy that um, really focused training. Um, but really, if you're thinking about specialized training, it has this focus on mastering skills and skill development rather than nurturing fun. And as fun is such a high predictor of kind of continuing and adhering to your training, if the fun isn't instilled in the subject, then there is that risk of dropping out. Um, also to link back to one of your earlier podcasts, it's possibly related to perfectionism as well. So we talk about this early selection and early talent identification. There is this idea that if you are selected and identified as talented very young, then you have already given yourself a reputation as being a talented dancer. And then you're continually trying to uphold that notion of being talented. And it could lead to um, ideals around this perfectionism or striving to be perfect to uphold that reputation. I won't go too much into it because I know there's the previous podcast on perfectionism. <laughs> yeah, so we know then that there are many aspects to a child's development aside from whichever sport they may choose to specialize in, if they do. Um, but how might early specialisation impact a child's holistic development? Yeah, it's an interesting question and possibly double-sided um, because a lot of people think of dance as a community and your peers and your friends are all part of that community. And you may feel really at home in the studio and being in your dance school is a chance to be your true self, which obviously all sounds like positive things. But on the other side of this, it does have the potential for a young person to, de to develop a rather narrow identity. Um, and what I mean by that is that they consider themselves as a dancer first and a child second. Um, so having a variety of experiences in childhood is one, just a basic right of a child. Um, so they should really consider themselves as being a student, a friend, a daughter, as well as being a dancer. I've used very female terms there, but you get the idea of having multiple identities and multiple parts of your personality. Um, and there's also the idea that early specialization may limit a possibility for a child to have diverse experiences. Um, I'm thinking of examples of, oh, sorry, I can't make your birthday party because I have a dance rehearsal, or um, I can't do this because I have to be here. So maybe Spending a lot of time on dance training from a young age has the potential to hinder a child's wider social development. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's very important to think of a, a, a child who dances and not a dancer who is a child. 
Yeah, definitely. So as you mentioned earlier, some children really thrive in that environment and can sort of push the early specialisation themselves purely because that's what they love doing. If they think they love to dance, that's where they want to be. Um, so if a child is insistent in partaking in one sport, so in this case dance, how might we try as parents, teachers, people around the child to diversify this? Yeah, I think first off, it's, it would be really inappropriate to force a child to try another sport or activity against their will. Um, you're not going to push someone, you will swim because you do too much dancing. It's, it seems completely crazy to me that, uh, that you would even consider doing that. Um, but obviously from a UK perspective and much of Europe, physical education is part of every child's um, experience in schools. So in school, they are getting some kind of exposure to other sports and activities. Um, that is not really discussed in terms of the um, research and literature around early specialization, but I think it can play a really vital role for somebody who is very narrowly focused, that the experiences they have in sport in school um, may provide a little bit of diversity alongside their training. But even if we talk about being very dance specific, there are still ways in which you can diversify within dance. For example, um, to go back to what I said earlier about training in several styles, maybe an option. Um, it's also possibly a good idea to have lots of different teachers. Um, I imagine spending 10 hours a week with one teacher is more narrow and more specialized than having 10 different teachers in one hour sessions. Um, it also comes down to having different groups of friends um, and training with different people, maybe at different venues, um, just to keep things different. So it's not the same routine with the same people and the same experiences. Say dance is an early sport as gymnastics is, if we take that for the purposes of this question, are there any benefits then to early specialization and can it ever be positive? Yes, there are certainly some arguments in favour of early specialisation, but I would say that the possible benefits of early specialisation don't exist independently from the risks that we've already discussed. Um, so although we're going to get into it as being kind of this elite performance, maybe a consequence of early specialization, that, con that elite performance still comes with the risk of potentially injury, dropout, and lower motivation. Um, so it never feels risk-free, um, but the benefits are effectively high-level performance. So it's very logical to suggest that the more you train, the better you get. Therefore, the earlier you start, the earlier you reach performance or elite performance level, which is potentially helpful for these early selections. Um, in sports literature, however, there's a lot of research and a lot of really strong research that suggests that success in youth sport doesn't translate to success at professional level in adults. So while you may be the top, um, top level as a young person, you may not be top when you are an adult. Um, so that's something to consider. No, this hasn't really been looked at in dance, but we know that there is a lot of dropout. Um, so maybe those who specialize early do drop out and don't make it to the high level, but it, it really does need to be explored more with research. Yeah, definitely. So there is limited research, but what we can do is reflect on what typically happens in a dance studio. So with everything we've learned today so far, what, would you, what advice would you give to dance teachers who are training students under the age of 12 to change these typical practices to possibly encourage a wider experience? 
Yeah, I would say as a teacher and as a parent for that matter, it's the quality of teaching that really matters. Um, so for example, if a child is training a lot and in the studio a lot, that environment needs to be as supportive and with as much knowledge that that teacher has as possible so that they are training in the right way. They are, they're not encouraging competition and rivalry and they're praising effort over outcomes. So they're having a positive experience, even if it is specialized. I would say if you're spending a lot of hours in the studio with a teacher who is maybe controlling or is not supportive in the same way, that could be more risky than having a really um, knowledgeable and kind teacher <laughs> in that sense. And again, to relate back to the previous question, um, just try and keep it as diverse as possible. So as a teacher, invite in guest teachers so they get different experiences. Workshops can be great of trying different styles. Um, and it's also really important to speak to the children and to have conversations. Um, to make sure that they are wanting to continue and you both have the same goals as a teacher and the dancer themselves that you are working towards the same goal. Um, and especially when it comes to other sports and activities, I know that dance teachers can worry that, oh, this dancer still does gymnastics, I'm worried about overtraining or I'm worried about them being injured in football, for example. You really just need to have an open conversation with the child. They will come to a point where you have to, you might have to decide between one or multiple activities, but it, it, it should come from the child themselves. It shouldn't be something that the teachers impose onto the child to make that decision. Yeah, so a child-centred approach is then really key. And something else that I noticed that you just said is, um, the episode that we got before this one is with Matt Lamarck from the Royal Ballet School on training modes and he stressed as well that the quality of training is so important over the quantity most of the time so that's definitely something we should be considering. So what might we do as dance teachers to be breaking down the belief that early specialisation is necessary in dance, possibly coming under pressure from parents? So what can we do to break down that belief? I think there's a lot we can do in terms of sharing stories about late specialisers who have been successful. So thinking about people like Misty Copeland, I think she started when she was maybe 12 or 13. Admittingly, she started very intensively at that age, but it was still a late start. And I believe Darcy Bustle, Darcy Bustle also, although she was introduced to ballet early, she took a long break and tried other activities before returning back to dance. And these are two of I would argue the most successful ballet dancers or the most well-known ballet dancers um, that exist kind of in modern day. Um, so if we can share these stories that it is possible and people are doing it, then it may challenge the um, belief that it's necessary. I think it's also really important to drive more research into this area because it's very difficult to make applied recommendations and say that we can break down this belief without solid evidence. So I would say if you are a MSc dance science student, graduate or anybody interested, please kind of look into this area because the more research we have, the more compelling arguments that we can make against changing or altering these practices. Yeah, so if we look at the minimal research that there is into early specialisation, what implications might this research have on full-time programmes? Because as you, something I found really interesting that you said earlier is that it's not necessarily proven that success in youth sport means a successful career in adult sport. So what implications might this have on full-time 
training programs? Do you think we begin too early? Mm, it's, it's difficult to know. And I know that these are very deep rooted traditions. Um, but I, I do think that schools are starting to be aware of the terminology of early specialization and are becoming more aware of what it might mean in dance. Um, I would hope that children in full-time training are now permitted to continue participating in other sports and activities for as long as possible. I don't know for sure that that is the case, but I think there is compelling arguments that that should be part of education is to have other activities in there. Um, I think that diversity within dance is quite a new terminology and quite a new idea, but I think it might be quite appealing to dance schools and in institutions um, because it could just be, okay, we won't train today, but we're going to watch a dance performance. Um, and it's still a different experience within it. So just once we have examples of how you can have a diverse experience within dance, I think that dance schools should be able to take those on board. Um, and again, going back to your question about this holistic approach, I do feel like dance schools are aware and are more mindful now of supporting the whole person and not just the dancer. And I think that early specialization practices or kind of the sampling and diverse experiences really do fit into that. So if that becomes the kind of aims of a dance institution to support the whole person, then these practices should be at least reflected upon and in the future possibly adapted. Yeah, so when you talk about supporting the whole person, what sort of might come under that in a full-time training programme? What, what might that look like in a student's life? <laughs> so I think that supporting the whole dancer does, yes, it means involving them in decision making and saying, what, what can we do to support you? It's really important to keep that dialogue open, but it's quite common now, I say, with not that much confidence in <laughs> my answer there, that especially um, full-time trainings, they do have access to, say, physiotherapists and other kind of mental health um practitioners that can help with um, things outside of the dance world and I think also communication between dance teachers and parents and their life at home is also being strengthened via various provisions. Um, so I think that there is definitely progress being made there but um, more direction and more recommendations will always be useful. Yeah, sure. So I've learned a lot today, for sure. And I hope everyone listening has as well, because I think there's a lot of new, interesting information that isn't necessarily that easily available. So there's not so much on it in dance. Um, but is there anything else you'd like to discuss or mention? Um, I haven't spoken much about my own research. Um, and the reason in that is that it's very complicated what I'm doing at the moment in the terms of um, dancers are part of my focus but I mix them in with gymnasts and figure skaters under this umbrella of early activities or these sports that peak early in which I've included dance. Um, rather problematically we found that early specialization was not related to negative motivational factors which goes against everything I've said so far. <laughs> um, however we did only recruit those who were continuing in their training um, so those who dropped out are not within that sample and wouldn't have been represented in the data. So the next step is to say, I don't understand these results. I really expected that early specialization would be linked to motive, like negative motivational implications. But um, 
the next step is now to interview them and find out why that might not be. So we, we want to know, okay, so you've continued in training despite your early specialization. So why is that? How have you made it work for you? And this may come down to things like they had diverse experiences, they had really supportive teachers, they were really intrinsically motivated. But until we have um, more of an outline, it's very, very difficult to make applied recommendations. So at the moment, I would say if you are a teacher or running a dance school in any capacity, to just be mindful that things are happening and to stay updated with the research as best you can. And at the end, just put a big call out to any researchers who are interested in this area to just keep, keep going and stay interested and keep your eyes open to research. Yeah, I love that as a note to end on. Thank you so much for your time today, Charlotte. It's been great to see you. Thank you. <laughs> Charlotte's contact details and lots of useful resources are linked in the description box below. Please check them out and tune in again next Monday for another episode of Side Dance.